Welcome back to another episode of Simon Says. So in our last episode, we talked about self-determination. Just a little bit of preview to that. So one of the very interesting things, because when we talk about federal versus state, one of the very things that really comes into the mind is self-determination. Mm -hmm. But what really is that concept of self-determination? So as a Sarawakian, naturally, you will look at some of the things that have gone into the land. So what are the seeds of self-determination that is in the land that is available for us to just tap into? So then that's when I saw this constitution, the nine cardinal principles that is actually written in 1941 constitution of Sarawak. Mm -hmm. So one of the things is that the goal of self-government shall always be kept in mind and that the people of Sarawak shall be entrusted in due course with the governance of themselves and that continual efforts shall be made to hasten the reaching of this goal by educating them in the obligation, responsibilities and the privileges of citizenship. So I thought that was really, really interesting because that has always been the context in which the first people of Sarawak has been educated and mm -hmm. has been taught and, and just before Sarawak reached quote-unquote independence before joining Malaysia and and we really just see that there has always been this seed of self-determination or, if you will, self-government that has been basically taught to them. Yeah, it just kind of remind me of James Brooke, you know, the, the, the white Raja who sort of obtained the entire land from the Sultanate, Sultanate of Brunei. And when he wrote back to... Now, now, by the way, he was born in India. He wasn't even born in Britain, but he had family in England. And when he wrote back, he used the word self-determination and self-government also. And it's yep. almost like, and because he doesn't have children and later on it was passed to his brother, then the cousin, etc. I always felt like James wanted the whole administration to be run on a trustee basis hmm. or steward basis. You know, if you watch Lord of the Ring, the king was gone for I don't know how many thousand years, but you have the steward. Yep. And that with, with that kind of mindset, you need self-determination. Yep. And it's not a coincidence, right, that self-determination was the word used by, you know, S for S, Sarawakian for uh, Sarawak, Sarawak for Sarawakian, the, the movement, which, by the way, it, it predates Malaysia. It, you know, some people thought, oh, it, it is the new thing. No, it predates that. Now, of course, a lot of them were from SUPP then. But of course, Self-determination has so many elements, but I guess today for the short presentation, we are using the Sarawat uh, model to kind of describe because I think the content, the, the explanation will be similar, right? Yep. So would you think that this is a concept that is very similar to Malaysian Malaysia or like in this context, Sarawak for Sarawakians? Yeah, definitely. Because like, like uh, for, for all the viewers and listeners, that's Lee Kuan Yew's slogan, right? And that was the thing that he told Sarawak and Sabah so that they became sold with the idea of joining Malaysia. And of course, when we study history, Lee Kuan Yew basically wanted balance because Malaya, of course, you, you know, have more Malay, obviously. Then Sabah and Sarawak have more non-Malay and you can balance out as a nation. I, I think that was probably his intention and I, I mean we, we don't want to talk about his personal ambition to be the ultimate kingmaker right but 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 he wanted that and I think the slogan Malaysians uh, 
Malaysians, Malaysia really resonate, right? Because it's like, hey, I have a role, I have an opportunity to shape my land and my country. And I think that's maybe how he got the Sarawak people to enough Sarawakian leaders to, to come on board. I think that is also one of the propaganda and also sentiment that was felt during this um, GE, mm-hmm. GE15. Basically, it's like we don't put certain people's right above another people group. Mm-hmm. Then after that, you basically just push for what's best for Malaysia first. Mm. Almost like uh, what was being, what's the famous quote? Ask not what your country can yeah, do for Kennedy. you. Mm. Yeah. So I think it's really going back to that principle of, of basically people just see what they con- contribute to the table. It's very interesting you mentioned about G15 because it's almost like a reversal of the state elections in terms of the voting pattern. Yep. In terms of... Now, now, of course, to be fair, the, the whole Sarawak independence discussion is not so much a federal discussion. And a lot of people recognize that and, and they think of it in terms of, look... We, we don't want another Prekata National. We don't want a Sabri. We don't want Amno. So because of that. So people can kind of differentiate the two worlds, I guess. Yep. And of course, the recent analysis of Sarawak voters was there was a huge swing to Pakatan Harapan from Sarawak, from, from the native, which was quite interesting. And now, now of course, I, I think that the pro-independence will always struggle in, in a federal fight because... It's not really the arena, you know. So then, then of course, restrictions was taken off and things like that in terms of travel. So a, a bit hard to make a final analysis. But I, I do agree with you that people kind of think of the bigger picture and let's just rally around so that we don't get another banana government. <laughs> I don't know yeah. what's the right word to use. I guess people are fed up with identity politics as well. Mm-hmm. And But then also that really goes back to who do we identify ourselves as? Mm. Do we identify ourselves first as a Malaysian or do we identify ourselves as Chinese or certain other people group? Now, Lara, of course, you, you know me that, you know, even though we, we know, we, we heard the argument and we, we also consider, look, it, it is a possibility of independence and things like that. But one of the reasons I myself, and I believe you are also in, in a similar camp, we are not so enthusiastic about the whole thing was because we believe that the self-determination of the Sarawak people will help the whole federation. Yep. It will help to balance all, all, the, all the racial, religious rhetoric that has been happening and together we can become a greater rainbow nation. So, so that's one argument. Now, I totally understand when people say, look, well, we were cheated <laughs> into Malaysia and now we want out. We want reparations. <laughs> Reparation and... <laughs> I mean, that's another huge topic. And, and, and I think there is validity, but then we, we have one issue here. It, it, it's, like, it, it's like husband and wife. You know, I, I use this analogy. I don't know if people will be offended by it. And it's like some, somebody said, I've been cheated into the relationship <laughs> for whatever reason, but then continue in a relationship for 40, 50 years. So... I'm not saying that the cheating was not right or not real, but I'm saying that those 40, 50 years has impact over the overall discussions and remedy. It's not as easy as you say, okay, cheated, let's move out now. What happens to the nine children? What happens to all the asset we have over the years? It's not so straightforward. You know what I mean? Yep. 
I think one of the concepts that was missing mm. in discussion concerning self-determination is the accountability of all our actions. Mm -hmm. Because every action has consequences. So how the previous generation, how they voted for the current government. I mean, mm. because like what you say, this whole concept of Sarawak for Sarawakians yep. predates independence. So that concept has always been there. It's just that, but true and true, you have been in bed with big government. Mm -hmm. You just like the whole idea of having a huge power that is vested in the federal government. So how can you then after that, like so many years later on, then you say, no, actually, we don't like it. Actually, we were being cheated. Actually, so it looks to me like you're just transferring a centralized power from the federal all to the hands of Sarawakian government. And I'm not sure if I really like the current Sarawak state government. Yeah, that, that's the feeling I get also when we, now, now we're talking about feeling and impression here, right? You know, when, when they talk about, look, you know, why do we want independence? It's because there's so much money there that's being kept, that's being held by the federal government. There's so much resources that's being monopolized by Petronas. We want it for ourselves. All valid and legitimate uh, discussions. But the impression I get, for, for at least for people who are pushing for this, is that transfer the power to us. We can be better trustee, which they may be better, but... In terms of the discussion of big versus small government, it's like you're transferring, like you say, just transfer to another big government. But whereas, if we truly understand the, the concept that James Brooke talked about, self-determination, self-government, I, I think there has to be some sort of power back to the people. Mm. And, and that's why I think this might be a right time for me to just uh, read. You know, this is, uh, this is a remark made by SUPP ex-chairman Ong Ki Hui. On the day Singapore left Malaysia, now we talk about this in season two, you know, the days of future past, 9th of August, 1965. And it, it was, the speech was made in, in Sarawak uh, Parliament, okay? And, you know, he said many, many things, talk about the London Agreement and, and say, look, London Agreement is a negotiated agreement, Malaya, Singapore, you, you know, we, we know that. So basically, he's trying to say, look, we have a right to leave. Now, let, let me just begin the quote, okay? The last part, he said, Quote, have we no right to be consulted? Because they were not told that Singapore was <laughs> leaving. The future of all territories which were colonial territories must be decided by self-determination. See, this is not a word foreign to them. In this case, it is arguable whether in the first place the people agree wholeheartedly to the arrangement. You see, they're going back to the whole discussion. We never agree to join Malaysia. And, and of course, there are a lot of incidental evidence, but it seems like the record are not really there. Did they do a referendum? I remember in the same gathering, they were trying to push Kalong Lincoln to do a ref referendum. And he, he was agreeable, but then the next thing, we don't know what happened, an emergency came yep. to Malaysia. Were, were they, you know, did, did someone put a pistol on their head and just say, submit or die? Hmm. I, I don't know. You know. It seems like that. You know, why is it so silent? And then, you know, it's like you want to push it back to, to the people. I would therefore urge the government to think seriously of the step which it has now taken by starting what the Honourable Member has very correctly stated to be the beginning of the process of disintegration of Malaysia, end of quote. So I, I think the spirit behind this fiery speech was correct. It's like, if we ever want to decide on the fate 
you know, in, in terms of living, uh, you know, the, the constitution, by the way, is silent or on cessation. And, and we know America went through a civil war to decide this issue. So, 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 so what, what's your view? You know, if a state, now, of course, some people argue only the original participant can leave. So that means Malaya, Singapore already left, Sabah, Sarawak. But what's, what's your view in terms of the process? You know, if we use self-determination, that means I think referendum is the most, I mean, it's the most transparent and legitimate method. Well, but that's sort of going back to like Scotland, right? Leaving UK. Yeah, yeah, they, they, had, they, had, they had it and they didn't vote to leave. <laughs> yeah, so I think it's not as straightforward. Yes, mm. referendum might be a good way forward in terms of just see what are the people thinking of this whole idea of leaving Malaysia. Now, by the way, let me just interject briefly. The whole idea of referendum, it actually has a few uh, safeguards, okay? First, the government must agree to referendum. Mm. So that means the first level of safeguard is the the state government. Yep. The voters chose the state government. So it could be... So for example, David Cameron promised a, a Brexit referendum and when he won so easily, he had no choice but to... He, he thought he was losing you know, that, that general <laughs> election. And, and he won and he had... He reluctantly did it and they chose leave. <laughs> so it's like... So, so you have one safeguard. Then the second safeguard is the actual referendum. So, so it, it, it's not something to be taken very lightly but you have a few stages you want to go through, but we are not even given the opportunity. I mean, we have not even changed the state government, not even one time. So do you think that is a prerequisite before people can even decide what level of self-determination they want? Yeah, I mean, of course. You test it by the law. You test it by the the available avenue that there is. So win election first. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you have to show that you have a certain amount of... um approval if you will from the people yep yep that right that is being given from the people that they say yes we we are ready for this path of self-government we mm -hmm. are ready for more obligation we are ready for more responsibilities so but i think people don't really understand the whole implication just like how um brexit they have to negotiate for so mm. long in terms of the economic obligation and how is it going to be like how the traveling is going to be like there are a lot of things that have to go into Correct. the thoughts. And, and it's not as straightforward as, look, if we decided to leave, we take back all the petroleum, what, what happened to all the laws that have been drafted that gave away the rights? It, you know, how do you even reverse that? So that's why it has to be... Yeah, I mean, at the very least, I would say you have to, you have, to have a government that wants to consider this, then a referendum, and then a negotiated exit. Now, of course... The, the pro-independence one, they, they put down many, many options, but one of the options they are really, really passionate about is unilateral declaration of independence. Now, why they say it can be done? Because they say Singapore did it. But by the way, do you know that um, Lee Kuan Yew had a special cabinet meeting, the whole minutes was classified. And then I don't know how many years after he died, it was declassified. And he said, look, the unilateral declaration was negotiated for almost one year with Malaya. And basically, the final decision was, you declare and we let you leave. That, to me, is not unilateral declaration. That is a negotiated yep. exit that saves face for everyone. Yep. 
Now, I know some people will say, oh, that's not the legal position. Well, it, people can argue what you want, but I, I'm just saying that, look, it, it's not so easy to just say we want out unless you have a few aircraft carrier backing you up and yeah, you're prepared I mean, to fight. Yeah, know? exactly. I mean, because is the whole state, I mean, is the whole region ready for war, you know? I mean, what if it comes to physical war? Mm. Yeah, I don't think we are. But at the same time, I feel like the, the spirit of self-determination has been fanned. And now, now we talk about general election, state election, five years, vote two times, and even people find that too tedious. <laughs> and now, of course, we, with those of us working here, flying back to, to, to East Malaysia, it, it, it's costly, it's time-consuming. A lot of people cannot do it. We, we understand. Um, but what do you think of local election, you know? Maybe that's a stepping stone for people to discover whether they even like the idea of self-determination. I mean, it's easy to say you like, but when you have to be responsible for many actions, are you going to be so passionate? Well, I guess it really comes to, there has to have a time whereby people will really just be accountable for their actions. Mm -hmm. And it really starts from local election because where else are you going to start from? I mean, you're not happy with the condition of the infrastructure in your in your state, in your district. You find your local councils. And then what will make it very, very powerful is that you vote these people in. Yep, yep. I mean, they are answerable to the voters. Just like how we have it in state election, we have it in federal election. So why can't we have a local election? That's my view. Yeah, yeah, we, we should definitely have it because that will really... But I... I I mean, just to, to digress a little bit, why no local election is because whoever is in power, regardless of whether you're Pakatang, at Barisan National or Pakatang, I, I think they're just afraid to lose power. Selangor, after 10 years of taking over the state government, refused to have local election. Now, of course, they will say, oh, it requires an amendment at the constitutional level, and which is true, but even now, there's no effort. And of course, they can say, oh, we're in a unity government, our hands are tied and things like that. But I, I felt like if, if the political leaders, especially from Sabah and Sarawak, are genuine. Now, the reason I, I frame it like this is because I feel they are not genuine. Mm. In wanting independence, they should push for local election. And, and GPS is really at the strongest bargaining power ever in terms of forcing agenda. But they are not going to do that because I, I think they know they might be rejected. But ironically, ironically, I would say GPS has done a relatively good job in local election. Mm. I mean, we would say that the council run by them historically has been quite efficient and, you know, they make things profitable and they, they don't require a lot of injection from state government. So, so I mean, you, you have done well. Why not, you know, took a gamble and, and see if people will, will choose you or not. But of course, they are very afraid of, of playing out at a fair level, even level kind of competition. Yeah, exactly. Okay, I, I think our time is almost up, but let's talk one thing about self-determination and then maybe that will lead to future topic, okay? Now, you were mentioning, you know, self-determination. Is it similar to the MAGA movement? Yeah, I mean, I was wondering because the concept of self-determination, self-government, self-governance, mm. it really requires you to just basically get your hands dirty. Yep. I mean, not the government. I mean, not the elected officials only. I mean, but literally the people that has to 
right? Really just get mm. the hands dirty and really just be ready to fight like whichever things, like the things that you don't like, like education, transgenderism, like all these sort of things, um, drag queens in the States, then you, you have to like go in and basically do your job. Yeah, it, it's really interesting. I find that, you know, in the United States, so many things are out for election, you know, even school board and even district attorney and things like that. And I mean, of course, the big news today we're recording is that President Trump has been indicted, right? And now this is related to this because on one hand, yes, the district attorney are voted in, their campaign and things like that. American system has the most check and balance. But you see, all the check and balance in the world is going to be irrelevant if you don't put people who will respect the rule of law. So that's still the, the thing. But still, you, you have a system, it, it is good. And, you know, you talk about education because I, I think some of our listeners and audience might not be familiar with the American system. The school districts, they have bought and you can actually put in uh, if you want to change certain educational policies or all the things that are happening with the with the transgender, with all, all, all the all, all the very aggressive open sex kind of agenda. So some parents had enough and they they went for election, became the bulk and stopped the policy. Yep. I think that's a great picture of self-determination. And and I, I think since we're talking about MAGA and MAGA is always linked with populism, right? And it's interesting that I've been reading some article in Malaysia, you know, you know, you think about populism, they will say like PSM is populism. Well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so we have different uh, definition, yep. interpretation. But here's the thing we want to end with. We're not going to answer, but it's going to be one of our future episodes. Is populism, populism the same as welfare state <laughs> maybe you want to give one or two comment <laughs> or you want to save it for next episode <laughs> no i think when it comes to welfare state i can't help but really just think of deep state <laughs> uh, i mean seriously i mean there's that sort of linking that somehow just like my brain so it's like because equals deep you do state. welfare so people become dependent on you then you can control them yeah i think i think like what we have done in the political compass episode mm -hmm. whereby do, do you how much intervention do you want your government yeah, yeah. to put into your lives? But also the fact that with more power, I think there's just that opportunity for deep state to really just run rampant. And then you're just giving all your rights away to them because it's like in exchange of all these benefits that you're getting, you are exchanging away something else because it is a transaction. But what do you say to people who say, look, populism is basically like protectionism. Yeah, I would say somewhat, mm. yes. So so you would differentiate that from welfare because it's different kind of governmental intervention. Yeah, I would say you are defending your individual rights of freedom. Mm -hmm. You are defending your borders. So all this thing, I don't think it goes against the fact that you need a government to control. But how big is the government or how small is the government to run all these things efficiently. And you can definitely differentiate that from welfare because welfare is just hand out, hand out and more hand yep. out. Okay, that will be an interesting discussion but a preview for you. We're going to talk about, you know, populism versus welfare state. I don't know, maybe in the next few weeks to come. Yep. Alright, so that's all the time we have for today. So, that's it for now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>